Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I'm a very sad Cameron Lee. And I'm a very sad Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode, however, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, you know it, Bears fans. It's in full swing. We're right where we want to be. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player coaching props, even their live betting app, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, the Bears fall to the Vikings 19-13 to in Week 10. If I may quote Tom Petty for a second, the Bears are free. They're free-fallen. How are you, my friend? Let's just start there. How are you as a person? It's good to see you. I was telling you pre-pod that if I uh, if I refuse to uh, to love this team and commit to this team, then I feel like I can't get hurt by them, and that's really the approach that I've taken over these last few weeks, man. It's like if I don't buy in and I don't put my whole heart out there, then whatever happens on Sunday or Monday night in this case, it can't hurt me. And so yeah, I'm fine. I'm completely fine, and and everything's great. We both had excellent days today monday emphasis on day the night didn't quite go quite our way that we thought to and look cameron by the time the bears play football again in week 12 they're going to be close to 50 days without a victory on the board they've gone from five and one to five and five let's just hit the numbers up top and then we're going to get into the game a little bit but there's some bigger picture stuff that we obviously need to talk about the bears 149 team yards we switch offensive coordinators to bill laser they put up six points offensively you know, that Corderell Patterson touchdown to start the second half. Sorry, Bears offense. It doesn't go into your tail. Only six points. At some point, they were had 14 yards in the second half. Obviously, they picked up, I think, maybe 25, 30 more. It was ugly out there from the start. Cameron, where do you want to begin? Do we have to? We have uh, to. Unfortunately. Uh, let's, uh, let's begin with um, – let's start with the good. Let's this start with the good. This defense is great and big challenge in front of them this week. Dalvin Cook's been running all over teams and uh, this defense once again stepped up to the challenge. Uh, they they contained Dalvin Cook at one point. Um, I think his longest run of the first half was six yards. You got to be pumped about that. You know, going against a guy who's had 200 plus yards of, of all purpose yards these last two weeks. So that's great. Uh, they stepped up in big ways forced turnovers, gave the team opportunities. There were, uh, you know, it's, it's not perfect. You know, they gave up the, the touchdowns to Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen made an incredible catch. And Unbelievable catch. Yeah. And then, again, um, he made the, the catch in the end – or the second touchdown against Buster Screen. But you know what? I mean, as compromised of situations and, and tough of situations as the offense puts the defense in, there's going to be some points scored – but no, this defense continues to show up week after week, and you know they have low-scoring affairs. And you would think that the that the Bears' offense would be able to score enough to get them over the hump. But uh, you know, it's it's the same old story, same old song and dance, my friend. The defense does great; the offense lets them down. I'm free falling. It just feels good to say it out loud, Cameron. And. You're hitting it right on the head. This bend-don't-break defense did an excellent job tonight. They came up with turnovers, save for a few plays. You know, Justin Jefferson burned him a little bit. But Delvin Cook didn't get free. He didn't break contain. And when he did, they called holding penalties and brought it back. So the Bears defense did their job in this game. Again, we just bring it back to this offense. So let's do a lightning round of the circumstances of the game. Let's start at the beginning. Were they able to pick up a fumble off Kyle Rudolph? Get the ball. Turn the field right off the bat and what happens on the second play. Let's just walk through that. In your opinion right there, Nick Foles, bad throw. Anthony Miller got to come down with the catch. They often say when a wide receiver gets his hands on the ball, that means you have to catch that football. Who do you probably put that first interception on, Nick Foles or Anthony Miller? They always say that, obviously. If you touch it, you got to come down with it. But, I mean, as as good of an athlete as an Anthony Miller might be moving that fast, I mean, that's a poorly thrown ball. That ball is thrown high and, and behind him. and 
you know, it's it's one thing for them to come for him to not come up with that catch, but when you throw the ball high like that, you're leaving the opportunity that the ball gets tipped upward and create that interception. Um, so obviously, you know, like like we, it's it's easy to to generalize and say, yeah, he touched it, he's got to catch it. That's a bad thrown. That's a poorly thrown ball. And I mean, I put that on Nick Foles every time. And you looked at the replay and just from a novice's eyes, you see a wide open middle of the field. You got to put that ball in a space. And it looked like it was in the top right corner of a wide open space. I know Anthony Miller got his hands on it. I'm putting that one on Nick Foles, a little bit of both. Great. A great receiver comes down with that catch and saves his quarterback. Sure. But that didn't work out that way. Let's just talk early on. We're in our safe space. We're in a bit of a happy place in terms of the offense at that point in the game. I noticed a little bit that they're running a lot of weak side, which was interesting to me where it was. Everyone knows that we need to overcompensate as an offensive line in terms of blocking scheme, even with the way that we run routes. I noticed that they tried to run a little weak side early and it seemed to work for them a little bit, getting some easy, you know, out routes to Allen Robinson, able to make a couple things happen. Were you able to see that early on? And did you think it was working at least in that first quarter area? Yeah, there definitely was a tendency to go towards uh, the weak side of the field. Um, and, you know, we saw a little bit of that early on. You mentioned, obviously, with the out routes and stuff like that. They were able to, to move the ball on the ground even a little bit, just a little bit, not a ton, uh, at the very beginning of the game. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was something that, that Laser wanted to make a point of emphasis for the week, but there was something to it. And, um, you know, it was a nice little wrinkle. And, uh, yeah, and then it, it kind of just all disappears. Yeah, they came up with a solid third and seven throw to Corderell Patterson early on in that game. But again, right when you get some momentum, Effetti whiffs on a play and they take a sack. They're not able to get points in that area. You know, moving forward, looking in that first half, we only had three drives. I mean, Minnesota, for the most part, they weren't doing damage, but they were holding onto the football, really keeping us off the field. Not to say that when we were on the field, we were making things happen. But when you have those limited opportunities, it was really hard to get points. We go into the halftime you know, not feeling super great about ourselves, trying to get a spark. And then let's just talk early on about I'm giving out a gold star to Cordero Patterson. Sure. On that wildcat play in the second half, which I wasn't a great fan of the call. Maybe he could have turned it up and got a couple yards. You can ding him from that. But Cordero Patterson from the backfield, like we were mentioning, getting some running yards going, coming up with a third down and seven catch. And then, of course, kickoff return reception for a touchdown to start the second half. I mean, man, that was a huge play. He played awesome in this game. He did. He really did. I love that they're finding more ways to utilize him. They've thrown the ball to him. He's gone back to lining up as a wideout. Sometimes he was the primary running back on, he got 12 carries. He wasn't super efficient out of the backfield, but no one seems to be. So you can't knock him too much for that. The touchdown return was exactly what the bears needed. We talk every week about how any opportunity they get to score, uh, especially uh, when it's not the offense on the field is just the best thing that can happen. And it was exactly what this team needed. They needed a spark. They needed some excitement. You watch the guys uh, smiling on the sideline, uh, Nagy running down the sideline. Uh, actually during the game, my wife said, is, is that the coach? That guy's crazy, which <laughs> I thought was fun. But it, no, it was fun because like we constantly talk about how boring this team can be at times. And so it was fun to see them celebrating and dancing. And, and that's what Cordero Patterson was able to do. Did he have a flawless game? Not by any means, but um, you know, that the, the big return was huge. I like that. They uh, he had a couple catches um, and made some people miss and was able to, to get upfield and make some stuff happen. I thought that the uh, the wildcat play looked terrible. I love when teams do this whole wildcat thing, but like really don't practice. Is he gonna timing. throw it? Is he gonna throw it? Ooh, no, he's not gonna throw it. Allen Robinson and uh, and Cordero Patterson weren't within like six yards as they're like awkwardly running, just like like uh, carrying out carrying out the mesh, and we're like, we all know, man, like just just let it go. The Bears actually had some momentum where some interesting things were actually happening. Khalil Mack comes up with an interception. We get a field goal. We come back. Cordero Patterson takes it to the house. A huge swing in the game. A huge momentum swing. And then, of course, this team that's bugged them all season long, a talent-deficient a talent deficient team that needs to do things correctly, plays a game cleanly. To Harris fumbles a, a muff punt. 
Vikings get the ball back and they score some points. It just, the momentum was immediately sucked out of that situation. Yeah. They never are able to capitalize whenever something goes right. It's, I mean, I hate to be a cliche about it. It's one step forward, two steps back every single time. I mean, like you literally watch them on offense and they will gain a yard and then they'll lose two or they will, you know, get a first down and then they'll commit a penalty and be playing behind the, behind the six for the remainder of the series. It's, it's inevitable. Watching them on offense is just brutal. And you, you know, you mentioned the must punt. I mean, like it's just the stuff that just cannot happen when you're not good enough to, you know, afford those, those missed opportunities. And every single time it just, it happens like clockwork. And let's go to the second half again. The Bears scored seven points in the third quarter. Keep in mind, Bears fans, that was not the Bears offense. Once again, we are going to be playing in week 12 with only seven points scored in the third quarter. Let's talk about that second half offense. In my opinion, it looked like the Bears just had no answer for the Vikings blitz. Every time that they brought the heat, they couldn't figure it out. And even when the Bears knew that they were bringing the heat, they couldn't figure it out. Cameron, what did you see there? Because... For me personally, it felt like that they were running a a running back out when he probably should have stayed home to protect. The offensive line was overwhelmed. And it just seemed like every time they brought the blitz, the Bears had trouble solving that. What you saw was Mike Zimmer, uh, who's a a great coach and has a a great feel for this defense. He saw that this team could not run the ball and that that's not a threat. And so he was going to do one of two things. He's going to sit back with, uh, um, you know, Uh, cover two or he's going to come up and and blitz 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 and bring the house and not worry about uh you know obviously the running game is not there and they know that they can get home so he's just going to dial up pressure get more uh more people in the backfield and put more stress and strain on this offensive line that cannot get the job done it's clear at this point and uh and nick Foles who can't evade or elude anybody so i mean just dialing it up and coming uh, with more stuff, I mean, yeah, sure, you want to keep a running back in, but then we're just taking away the the check down, who, which is, I mean, more often than not, the uh, the go to target for this for this group. You know, we're throwing to the running backs just as often as we're throwing to Allen Robinson, and we're only throwing to Allen Robinson five six yards downfield. I mean, like, there's there's really not a fix to it. At one point, we were like, screw the running game, we're going to start spreading it out. But the problem was when they brought the blitz. I felt like that our routes were too deep. We didn't have anything intermediate, at least underneath it, we could check down and pass to. And Nick Foles either wasn't looking that way as a look or he wasn't able to find it quick enough. And it just seemed to put us in this situation where all season long, all we've been seeing is sit-down routes at the eight-yard marker. And suddenly now we're running, I think, what, 12, 14-yard routes in a situation where they're bringing a blitz. It just put us behind the eight ball very quickly. I want to get to some big-picture stuff because this is the game now. We're 5-5. Five and five. We're heading into a bye week, Cameron. We're going to take a break here from talking about Bears football for a little bit. That situation when we're driving down the field in the fourth quarter, I can't remember the yardage because we're going right after the game, but it felt like we could have been in a situation where Cairo Santos could have kicked maybe a 55, 56-yard field goal on that fourth and 11. We went for it on that at 19-13. We could have brought it to within three. Did you agree with that call based on down and distance? What did you see there? I didn't mind going for it. I like the aggression. You know, if you go out there and you're able to pull it off and you're able to kick a field goal, I mean, you can win this game. You know, the the miscue on the special by the special teams unit for the Vikings gave them an opportunity. It opened a door. So I don't have any problem with the aggression. I do have a problem with the play call and the routes. You know, it just doesn't seem like they're they don't even give them a chance. They're in this weird terribly awkward position where it's like on one hand they can't afford to run routes too far downfield because they don't know that they have the protection that can get them open uh, to get eight to 10 to 12 yards downfield. But at the same time, when you're looking at a fourth and 11, you have to be looking beyond that six or eight yard sit down route. And it's like, I, I don't even know what the answer is because I feel like we see this constantly where we're, we're like blaming these things and they're all like kind of tied to one another. We can't go downfield, but also we have to go downfield and how, how you fix that. I don't know the answer. When I know we want to talk about specific plays, but again, on that play, Nick Foles 
Anthony Miller, to me, that looked like a guaranteed touchdown. What did you see on that play? Was that an overthrow by Foles? I know he was under duress. He was stepping up in the pocket. He tossed it up there. Do you think Anthony Miller perhaps should have come down with that on a dive situation? But again, that's another play where that could have been a touchdown. That one sucks. That one's that one just that one's hard to really break down because I mean, if you look at it, Nick Foles was definitely under pressure. He steps up in the pocket. He makes a pretty good throw. Gives this guy an opportunity. I mean, really, given the situation, I think that's about as much as you can ask is to give your guy a chance. And anything more than that, you know, you're, you're just you're pumped. You're you you love that you get anything better than what they got. Anthony Miller, I, again, that that's just a really tough play. I don't think we can beat him up. I don't think we can beat him up for not coming down with that. If he makes it, it's miraculous. But I mean, to to full full extension, that situation, great coverage. I mean, like that's it's the game. You, of, it's the game of inches, and that's our season, right? I I think we've seen struggles and frustrating aspects of our running game all season long, but there have been moments and we've been detailing them on this believe in bears pod this entire season of when you get that look and you have an opportunity for an easy touchdown, you get the right call, you run the right route. It's wide open. It's right there. It just seems to be just inches away from our fingertips. We haven't been able to hit on any of those plays all season long. That, that play right there is a microcosm for why the bears are five and five right now, especially offensively. Yeah, and that's exactly right is like, you know, you might be able to pull that stuff off. You're right there, but you have to do so many little things correct. And, I mean, that's kind of where the, this team is at offensively is like they're they're not doing all the other things, and yet they're still right there. And that's the frustrating part is that they've given themselves an opportunity. They've given themselves a chance. If that ball gets caught, you know, that's, that's, that's amazing. And it's a bailout and it worked and they won and we're not talking about this, but they didn't, they didn't execute it. They just didn't. And Cameron, it's time, you know, we can keep going into this game all that we want. We can keep talking about how, you know, there weren't a lot of bananas on the field in this game. I do feel like there was a personal foul penalty against Nick Foles and a third down particular play where I felt like the refs were catching up on the Mandalorian at the particular time. We can get into that all we want to, but let's get to the end of the game. Let's move forward because if we thought we had questions with this Bears team, there are even more questions now on the table than there ever have been before. Nick Foles at the end of the game, ugly injury. You never want to see a guy get hurt. It looks like he had maybe a dislocated hip, some sort of hip flexor tear, something that doesn't seem to be, looks like he's going to be recovering from anytime soon. And I will tell you, Cameron, just to have a little fun for a second, I was telling my buddies on Zoom to hop on my knee for a second because I was going to tell them the tale of Tyler Bray. Hop on my knee, Bears fans, and I'll tell you the tale of Tyler Bray, a guy that has only thrown maybe four passes in his entire career coming into the game with under 55, what, 40 seconds left to go in the game, leading the Bears back to a victory. And what did he do? He threw a duck, he ripped a fart, and then he threw an incomplete pass. It, it happened very quickly. But how interesting is it? You've been talking all season long about what it's like to watch these games as a Bears fan, this is Beardom, my friend. Just when you thought the quarterback position couldn't get any more frustrating, you just get a little bit of a taste of a Tyler Bray. Just to let you know of the Chad Hutchinsons and the Moses Morenos and the Henry Burrises of our past Bears lore on full display right there. Tyler Bray, did you have any hope that he was going to get it done? That no. you can tell your son <laughs> one day. Tell your son, I'll tell you the Tyler Bray game. The one time that he came in, and Tyler Bray can go to Chicago bars for the rest of his life and get drinks on him just for leaning down a drive to beat no, the Vikings. No disrespect to Tyler Bray. I mean, the situation that he was entering into, I don't know who could have pulled it off. Obviously, they know that they're not going to run, so this defense is is coming, you know, they're basically dialed in, and they're able to, to get home. The offensive line is not holding up. They're in negative spirits. They're in a bad position on the field. And you're basically asking, I mean, you're asking your third string quarterback who's just been activated from the practice squad to come in and just orchestrate a drive with, did he have no timeouts? No timeouts. <laughs> they can't throw the ball to the middle of the field. I mean, yeah. So no, I did not have great confidence in Tyler Bray. You didn't think the not- annexation of Puerto Rico was in the cards at that point? You didn't think that Bill Lazor was going to pull out the, uh, the okey doke or fun fact about the annexation of Puerto Rico. 
that uh, have you ever noticed it, when the kid draws up the play and describes the play, that is not what they ran when they like <laughs> called it in the game. Like they, they, when they're like drawing it up and scheming it up, it is like super elaborate. And then it's just a fumble ruski, which I mean, it's not a, a simple play, but it they just run the fumble ruski. It's not like really anything crazy. It was a devolution down to the fumble ruski. It started off as an <laughs> elaborate Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh. Play. Well, they had John Madden. John Madden was hooked. He said, "You're a genius, this kid. This looks pretty good. This looks pretty this good." You got to love this. And and then you get out there and they just run the Fumaruski, which, I mean, is great. But, I mean, I don't think – like Zoltek is probably not the go-to pulling guard or whatever for the – whatever. I I digress. Um, well, no, I was really excited, though. I was like, man, are they going to – like, because every team has that, like, go-to end-of-situation gadget play that, like, I'm certain Tyler Bray never got to practice. You know, like there was no way that they were like prepared for like, hey, what if Tyler Bray gets in the game and we're, we're we got to run like our our good old fashioned like hook and ladder times five like gimmicky play? I was really excited to see like them try and just burn that play because you know you only get to run that once, and just see like what the heck happens with this guy who you know is not prepared for this moment whatsoever. I was no, very excited. No to such play that could go. No such play, yeah. Cameron. No such Didn't play. Didn't get that chance. No, no, not on the Denny's menu. Inst- instead, what we got was uh, was some miscommunication and him throwing the ball solid 12 yards past Cole Komet. And again, no disrespect. The, the situation sucked, but... No, yeah, no disrespect. He put some zip on it. He tried to, you know what I mean? I mean airmail but what are you gonna say nothing not not much you can say we're not trying to give we're not we're trying to have fun with a depressing situation cameron and i think it's time now i have uh i have a confession for you full disclosure bears fans and the believe in bears nation uh i i'm guilty of not bearing down because i was on a zoom with some buddies and they were asking me uh with i believe about four and a half minutes to go you know what are we gonna do a big picture and I said at the time, and we were losing, and this is very against the grain of my attitude and my philosophy as a Bears fan. I just said, you know what? I'm good on Nick Foles, man. Check, please. I'm good. No matter what happens, if he leads us back to a victory, great. Please prove me wrong. Please do that in this moment right now. But other than that, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for MT10. And I'm not saying that he's going to save our season. I'm just done seeing Nick Foles. We've been kind of talking about it for a couple weeks. And, dude, I have to give you a lot of credit because after he came back and beat the Falcons, everyone was enamored with veteran Nick Foles, what he can do that Mitch Trubisky cannot. And he had a great performance, and you gave him credit for it. But at the time, you were asking yourself questions of, why are we taking Mitch Trubisky out in this particular situation? And what is the marginal what is the net gain of actually putting Nick Foles in at this point? And he's hurt. Look, I think we're not going to get good news. We're taping this right after the game. Nick Foles might be out for a couple weeks. Hell, he might be out for the whole season. The record is what the record is. He's 2-5. and five. If you want to count the Falcons game, that makes him 3-5 and five as a starting quarterback. I was done with him. We're 5-5 five and five now. Our season is on the line. Some may say our season is over, but it's time to go to Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it. I don't. I was never on board with the move in the first place. And, you know, I may have been on an island when I said that I would have given up winning that game. That sounds stupid, but I would have given up, maybe lost that game to the Falcons, but maintained what I thought was the better of the two directions for the team moving forward. And I don't know what the record would be. There's no way for me to possibly know it. But I I think that, uh, you know, Nick has come in and try to do some things, but I just don't think it's not, it's incongruent with what the, this team is set up and designed to do. And if we're going to continue to throw out a subpar offensive line and complain about their inability to, to create anything, then why put out a statue of a quarterback? It just doesn't make sense. So yeah, let's, let's see Mitch again. I'm, I wasn't ready to see him gone and I'd be happy to see him come back. And if he throws for, I mean, like, let's be real. Nick threw for 106 yards tonight. 
106 yards against a team that we were saying is a bad secondary, a bad, bad secondary. All season long, they've been given up to everybody and anybody. Maybe, maybe Mitchell Trubisky only throws for 106 yards, but he probably rushed for 30. He probably rushed for 30, and he probably, you know, his ability to create running lanes for himself creates more running lanes for the other guys in the backfield. So I'll take that. I would much rather have that and have the versatility and have the the upside of, you know, maybe he eludes someone. Maybe he gets out of the pocket. Maybe he runs for 45 yards for, you know, just whatever reason. But I personally would, would prefer that. And we're at the point where we really hope House Hall also figures that out too as well, where you've been on it for a long time. I feel like I've started to come around on it the last couple of weeks, but what's going on right now with Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, whoever you want to name in the organization, there is an honesty gap going on right now with what is on your football team and what you are capable of and what you should and should not be running. The mistake that they made was thinking that they had the personnel offensive line specifically to be able to hold up with a dude, like you said, a statue like Nick Foles. Now, can he be a confident passer when he has a ton of time to throw? Yes, he can. But guess what? A lot of other quarterbacks can in this league. And unfortunately, this personnel was geared towards a player like Mitch Trubisky. And I'm with you where he might not have exceeded exponentially the passing yards in this game, but yes, he would have escaped a couple of pockets. He would have picked up a couple of extra rushing yards and God forbid with guys like Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson guys that could perhaps get open when a play breaks down, you know, that's Mitch Trubisky's bread and butter. I know it doesn't seem conventional or it seems like the, you know, the way that coaches want to run a particular play, but that seemed to be when he was at his most dangerous was when he was on the outside and guys were able to break free and make some plays. I think we both can agree that Mitch Trubisky has a better intermediate arm velocity-wise, I feel, than Nick Foles. The downfield ball, which has bugged Mitch Trubisky his whole career, is a different conversation. But on those moments, especially when you're trying to work the middle, we maybe we need a little bit more of that velocity. And it's taken us a while as Bears fans to figure it out because we still want Mitch Trubisky to be well. He's been frustrating. He hasn't been good. We want to toss him out on the street. Unfortunately, he might have been the quarterback built for this type of team. So Cameron, moving forward into week 12, we've got a tough matchup against the Packers. I'm going to throw three doors at you right now. And I want your honesty. Not maybe what you think is going to happen because we can't predict that, but what you think it could possibly be trending and maybe what you want to see happen. They got six games to go. They're five and five. Door number one. Mitch Trubisky comes back. We continue the play that we've been seeing and what we go one in or we go two and four. We get to seven wins and Mitch Trubisky plays just poorly and mediocre enough. Our offense doesn't changes and we got a shot at one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft coming up. Door number two, Mitch Trubisky actually plays okay. Goes four and two. We win some football games. We go nine and seven. We miss the playoffs. And now all of a sudden we're tempted between keeping Mitch Trubisky around for another year for another look because he played okay or a decision of moving on. Or door number three, the Scooby-Doo ending. Mitch Trubisky comes in. He rips off five of six. We get hot. I'm not saying our offense figures everything out, but guess what? Can we just do 20% better? We're at rock bottom right now in offense. Mitch Trubisky does 20% better. We actually make the playoffs. And now we're in a position where we have to sign Mitch Trubisky to big money. Which way do you think this Bears team is trending right now, in your opinion? It's <sighs> tough. I think that the most likely scenario is that Mitch comes in, he plays better, or this offense works a little better. But I don't think that he's – I don't think – it's not him. I don't think he's going to come in and, and they're going to win five games out of whatever it is that they had done the stretch. I don't think that's realistic, but I would like to see him come in, prove that he is a more important piece to this offense um, than maybe Nick was just maybe for my own ego's sake. I've been saying it all along and so prove me right. Um, but I, I think that they need to be in a position where maybe he's good enough to be a fringe starter a competent backup and they go out and get a quarterback of the future, you know, which is not, it's not fun because Mitch is young and 
He's someone that a lot of us have wanted to be the guy. But at a certain point, you got to be able to cut bait and move on. So I would like to see him have success, enough success to say that he won the job and still enough that it's clear enough, clear enough to Ryan Pace or to whoever is going to be the GM next year that it's time to find the next guy. And I mean, these are big swings. These are big directions right now. Uh, Obviously door number one, they continue the path that they're on. They end up under 500. Guess what? Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they might not have a job. It's kind of sort of getting to that point. You don't start five and one and finish a season under 500 and expect to not walk out with at least intense scrutiny or perhaps losing your job. Door number one. Door number three is the Bears fan in me where they rattle off five of six. They split with the Packers and then they beat the Vikings, the Lions, the Texans and the Jaguars. And they actually find a way into the playoffs. That's the Bears fan in me. That one scares me a little bit, too, because Ryan Pace will give Mitch Trubisky a hundred million dollars. And all of a sudden now our problems are solved and we just deal with the same stuff the next couple of years. I feel like we're trending towards more the middle where this team is competitive. They get to eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe enough for Nagy to save his job, maybe enough to ask questions about is Mitch the guy? Can he be the guy? And unfortunately, we end up in the same limbo, that same foggy mercurial area that we entered the season with of do we have a long term quarterback? My I think the, a big fear of that third situation or your dream scenario, if you will, as, as the Bears fan, is that they go out, they have success, and then the Bears, I guess, ownership and GM and all of that, they want to go out and prove themselves right. And so they double down on all their bets. You know, hey, we look, we, we took this team to the playoffs. We do have the right quarterback. And so now we're handing out these big contracts to these guys. And, and what we've seen all year and all the evidence – evidence would indicate that it's not schematic. Well, I mean, somewhat schematic, but I think it's largely more about infrastructure. And so now we're going to go out and prove that we are right and double down and pay all these guys. And it's like, no, there's a serious issue that needs to be addressed. So that that's why I don't want that result um, because say the bears do happen to go when five of six or whatever it is uh, to, to finish the season and they make the playoffs and they lose, they're still going to lose, you know, probably in the first round uh, or maybe the second round in that case. And we're still not, I don't think they're over the hump at that point. You know, I, I don't think that they have the infrastructure to move forward and to take the next step. So I would rather you maybe sacrifice some of the short-term success to take the steps to get the right people in place to have long-term success and get over the hump finally. And that's my problem. Honesty can be a really tough road. And if I'm going to talk about an honesty gap between Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy with the personnel, the scheme, who they have on the field, and what they think is a winning football team. And you know what? I should even take that back. A winning football offense, because I think they have a pretty decent idea of how to put together a good defense. And they got lucky along the way, too, as well. But they made the Cleo Mack trade. You know, they drafted Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller's worked out. Roquan Smith, honestly, pro bowler perhaps all pro right now, just playing absolutely out of his mind. They've got that part figured out, but there is an honesty gap going on in offense right now. So the next six games is really going to tell a lot to me about whether they are able to walk that hard road to the true honesty of what they really need to do on offense. You got to invest on this offensive line draft and free agency. You have to find a quarterback that you can hang your hat on dream scenario. They make the playoffs great. We have a lot of fun. We keep doing these pods. We talk about Bears victory, you know, Sundays and Mondays, all that good stuff. But at the same time, now all of a sudden, if they commit to, commit to Mitch Trubisky, after they pulled the ripcord on him earlier this season, guess what? They're stuck with him for the next three years, hell or high water. It seemed like we had come to the point where we were ready to move on from him. He's coming back right now, trying to salvage this season. It's just going to be really interesting to see how they evaluate Mitch Trubisky's play in the next six games. Obviously, if he plays poorly, we're going to move on. But if this team stays the same way it was last year, that eight and eight, that nine and seven, we're in every game, but some crucial mistake holds us back. I'm really curious to see how they evaluate Mitch Trubisky heading into the offseason. Yeah, that's a really interesting question is because very rarely do we get to see a guy have like 
a two two parts to a season with like a, a clear, you know, kind of a halftime. I guess it wasn't so much in the half or the middle of everything, but it is interesting to see what sort of growth and progression. Um, but also the really interesting part to to see when they do make this evaluation is not only going to be what was he able to do, but what was the team and the unit able to do? And, you know, does, does Darnell Mooney get better? Does Anthony Miller get better? Does the rushing attack get better? Um, I, I, that's, that's the stuff that you're really going to be interested in seeing and moving forward. Um, you know, you're going to be interested in seeing which of these guys makes sense, uh, you know, in this offense, if, if Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback or, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that, that's just going to be really, uh, really interesting and really important to the future is just, does this unit make sense as a unit? Do they make sense together? Are they, um, do they gel is, you know, cause you could be as great of a player as you want, but if you're in the wrong fit, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. And that's the most important part is that Nick Foles might be a better quarterback, but if he's not a better quarterback for the Chicago bears, then it does not matter. And that's the biggest and most important thing watching this team is that they just don't have the right pieces. It's not a talent issue. It's well, at some positions, it's a talent issue, but it's about the pieces and they don't fit. And speaking to that final question on this topic, then we're going to wrap up with a couple of the regular hits that we do on Believe in Bears here. If Mitch Trubisky comes back, as I think he's going to be expected to play probably in week 12, if he's healthy, I would expect him to be with that time of injury. He'll be out there for the Packers. If Mitch Trubisky comes back and we get to nine or 10 wins and we make it interesting, nine wins, probably don't make the playoffs, 10, play on the cusp, maybe we make it in, whatever. How much is that at the when the season's over? How much of that is an indictment on Matt Nagy bailing on Trubisky in the middle of the season? And if you get the 10 wins, can Nagy still survive that? Because at the end of the day, you're going to look at Nick Foles and go, he's two and five slash three and five as a starter. Our offense went backwards. We were averaging 140 rushing yards a game with Mitch Trubisky. All of a sudden, we're averaging less than obviously 82 because we're at 82 now for the season. How much do you think this is going to be on Matt Nagy's head for making that situation if it goes well for Trubisky when he comes back? Man, it's a, it's a league of narratives. And that's the, that's the tough part about this whole thing is that, you know, at the time, in most people's eyes, the, the jump from Trubisky to Foles seemed like the right move. And then, you know, obviously there were injuries. The schedule got tougher. Nick Foles is playing better competition so he lost more games and he was against you know some tougher circumstances so we're going to look back on this thing and in the event that Mitchell Trubisky is able to beat a much easier schedule and get them to maybe nine or ten wins and he plays well enough it is going to appear to be an indictment on Matt Nagy and personally myself as being a Trubisky truther who stood the ground and said, Hey, leave him in there. That's, I would still treat it as an indictment on um, Matt Nagy just for having made that, that, uh, you know, that change when he did, but I don't think it's so fair and so cut and dry to just say, you know, this was this, and this was this, and this was a mistake. And this was the right decision. It's not like that. It's not that simple. If, if Matt Nagy is able to get to 10 wins, I, I think he probably keeps his job still. He pr- probably, probably. Um, but on the hottest of seats heading into 2021, like the hottest of seats. And that's, I mean, it's just crazy because, you know, I, I still, you know, I, despite this being what year three, of this experiment, I still somewhat believe in some of the offensive stuff. Again, you have to play the cards that you're dealt and find a way to make it work. And I don't think they've done a great job with roster construction. And we, and I, I talk about these things over and over again. And so maybe I'm holding on hope and sounding naive and just saying, Hey, I, I think you could do a lot more with better pieces, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta make do with what you got. And so I'm probably just a, uh, holding on to this like like a child and uh should just accept the fact that maybe he's 
He's not what we thought he was. It's such an interesting way that they look at offensive defense in the organization. Where on defense, they continue to continuously upgrade. Look at the Leonard Floyd situation, a guy that he drafted, a guy that was not productive. We did not re-sign him. We brought in Robert Quinn. That is a perfect example right there of something that they don't do on offense. We're heading into this offseason. You had to upgrade tight end. We all understand that. So you drafted and you signed Jimmy Graham. Okay, great. But in terms of the wide receiver position, they wanted to continue to treat that like the minor leagues where Riley Ridley and Anthony Miller and we're going to draft Arnold Mooney and these guys are going to all rise up and become big players when honestly, what these Bears probably needed was signing a guy like Emmanuel Sanders and moving Anthony Miller into the slot. Who cares if you have Riley Ridley on the team? Who cares if you draft Arnold Mooney? These are guys that can just help you out. Like you look at the Saints and they still have Traquan Smith always in the rafters ready to come on down and make some plays for them. It's, it's okay to have depth at that position. Instead of going out and getting Ted Ginn Jr., you probably could have spent a couple extra million bucks and probably got Emmanuel Sanders, spent a couple million less, and get Eric Ebron, who's now on the Steelers making plays, instead of maybe Jimmy Graham. These are decisions that you make that are pivotal in terms of how your personnel shapes up and how your offense is going to look. And we can talk all we want about the offensive line. Clearly, they brought in some guys. They did okay, and they signed them to a bunch of money. They drafted a bunch of dudes, and they're hoping that it's all going to work out. But in terms of the skill position players, it just seemed like they were like, you know, we're going to commit to the maturation of these guys. I don't think Anthony Miller is an outside receiver. I think he's a great slot guy. You know, I don't think he's a number two dude in an offense. Darnell Mooney, almost sort of the same situation. He's more of like when you run three wide receivers out in the field, you know, you can run him outside and have Anthony Miller in the slot. They never found that number two guy. And it's just so funny that they treated the defense like, hey, we always want to upgrade. We always want to kind of keep getting better. And on offense, they just keep waiting and waiting for the guys that they drafted to show up. And unfortunately, they just have not reached their potential. Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, all those included. Yeah, it's like they keep sitting out on the offensive, on the opportunities to make offensive splashes and splash moves. And, uh, and that's the part that keeps suffering. We talk consistently about the defense and I mean, I money talks and performance talk, you know what I mean? Like we just, every single week, we just keep saying, Hey, the defense is showing up. The defense is playing well, but whenever you hear like about a splash in the off season, it's the defense. The, when we talked about the offense, this entire off season, it was who's going to be the quarterback. And that's a question that you cannot ask. That's a question that you should never have to ask on a good team. Golden NFL rule. Never go into week one not knowing who your quarterback is. Can we just say that? Like we were worried about it. We were cautious about it. Hey, whoever the best man is, best man win. They're both capable of running this offense. Yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. Never go into week one not knowing who your quarterback is. Can we agree on that? That was a strange strategy. I don't know if that was just gamesmanship or what, but I mean, looking back on that, it and we said it, we said it was work. weird at the time. We said it was weird at the time, but man, it just feels bizarre. Oh, yeah. yeah, Matt Nagy, I'm not gonna let you know who my quarterback is week one. I'm gonna make it a surprise for the Lions. And of course it leaked, and then we found out it was gonna be Mitch and blah blah blah. Cameron, let's get out of here on a couple of things. You know, you give out some grades every single week. It feels it feels wrong to give Nick Foles a grade in this game. He, you know, he was he was carted off the field. He's got a major injury. We all know that he wasn't good in this game. What is your grade for Bill Lazor? His offensive play calling, his first shot at it in week 10. What's your grade for Bill Lazor? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel, did it feel that much different? Did you throw up in your mouth just now? I made a horse noise. I, I made a neigh. <laughs> It felt it felt it felt relatively similar. Of course, we didn't have David Montgomery, so we had to feature Cordell Patterson a lot more. It seemed like we were. It's this funny thing where, like Matt Nagy, I feel like has a decent knack at calling up big play, like hitting the right button at the right call. We just haven't been able to connect on it at times during games. But he sucks at rhythm and the the little intermediate plays that sets that up. I felt like Bill Lazor at times was doing a decent job of those intermediate setup plays. But again, just the yeah, the same old stuff over and over and over again. I'm gonna throw a grade out there. I'm calling it a D minus. I'm sorry. Six offensive points, 149 team yards. This is your one time. We're changing it up. This is your chance to show what you do when you call offensive plays. I'm going D minus, man. I don't think he gets another bite at the apple. I think week 12 we're seeing Matt Nagy call him plays again. 
I was trying to like be generous about it. And then I considered that it was 140, 90 yards of total offense against what we again, consider to be a very bad defense. Three yards per play, two for 11 on third down, Cameron. Delicious. Two, two for 15 last week, two for 11 this week. <laughs> so less opportunities. That's, gives us actually a an impro- that's an improvement. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oof, yeah. You, like your, you like your eggs sunny side up, don't you? Over easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you think they make the switch again? Yes, uh, I think they play coy about it. They've been they Matt Nagy tries to be transparent, but then obviously reports get out and he leaks, and then he has to backtrack. I think he's going to try and protect whole... him and defend him and say it wasn't Bill Lazor; it was a lot of other things. I think over the next two weeks, no one's going to really say anything, but I think it's Matt Nagy calling the plays again in Week Twelve. This whole flip flopping thing, man, it's it's, it's dangerous. I'm not on board with it. I I believe that once you make a decision, you have to write it out. Eh, I don't. I don't. I'm not happy. This is bad. You're a good husband, Cameron. Uh, moving on. What is your grade for the offensive line? We do it every single week. Do we have to? Yeah, like, great. Like keep... You have to grade <laughs> the offensive line. I know you, you. You're giving them bad grades, which makes you feel like you're giving them a hard time. But you know, we got to do it. What did you see out there? I personally didn't think it was as terrible as, as it was last week. Am I wrong? It, it was better than it was last week, but it wasn't a very good team. I give them a C minus. Yeah, I was going to give them. I was also going to give them a C minus too, as well, which was an above grade from our pass fail that we I, did last week. You know, it, I, I thought Alex Bars did okay. I thought Cody Whitehair being back out there was that helped us. Some of, of the course. snaps didn't go off, you know, cleanly at all times, but that was okay. That's but a Cody again. That's that right a Cody side, staple. Yeah, that's a Cody Whitehair staple. Yeah, one he's gonna throw, he's gonna bounce one in the dirt. He just least. does. Yeah. But again, Afedi had some tough moments. Rashad Coward on the right side, and every single time they brought that blitz, they had absolutely no idea what was going on. Quick, quick question for you, and this is I'm gonna try and pick your football mind for a second. Obviously, David Montgomery wasn't playing in the game. We had to use a lot of Cordero Patterson, Artavis Pierce, Ryan Nall, and Lamar Miller. When you use that much personnel in your backfield, can that also screw up the protection sometimes? I mean, did they have to do that out of necessity? Or did that maybe work for a bit of a detriment when they were bringing those blitzes? Because it just seemed like we couldn't pick up the hot man to save our lives. I mean, it's just like any other position. Everyone's going to have their preference in terms of, you know, what they're able to do and being a running back. Some people are better at pass protection. Some people are better at reading a blitz and picking up a, picking up a, a linebacker um, and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, there are guys that are more equipped to do so. There are guys who have more experience in doing so. I don't think it necessarily in theory, shouldn't change anything. The assignment shouldn't change. You should be the same, whether it's David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen, even um, in terms of assignment, but just in terms of guys who have experience in that and have done a lot of uh, protecting, you know, like there's just a big difference between a, a maybe a first down situation and a third down back who's more equipped and accustomed to doing that. Uh, in this situation, obviously, you got these four different guys that are all taking reps at it. Um, and none of frequently, none of which, or, uh, to put it frankly, none of whom have like really done that a lot. So it's not like, Hey man, like we lost, uh, we lost David Montgomery, who's taking all of our past reps. And now we're putting in, you know, Lamar Miller, who's been on the practice squad. I don't think any of them were fr- like, frankly, are like probably super stellar at it. So it's none of them are going to have the experience and reps necessary to like really help at a high level. Cameron, final question before we get out of here. They're heading into the bye week. They're playing the Packers in week 12 on Sunday Night Football. Not sure what the Packers are going to do this weekend, but we know that we're going to be 5-5. Five and five. If you're on this football team right now, Cameron, heading into the bye week, what are you saying to yourself and what are you saying to your teammates via text to hopefully salvage this season? You know, What's the mantra right now? What can you build on? I would be going into this, you know, this little break. I would say, hey, man, we're – we're kind of back. We're back to zero. We're back to the back to ground zero. And uh, the you know the first we've made it through the longest the longer portion of a very tumultuous adverse season. You know, like this has been a season unlike any other. The all the way up to preseason, dealing with COVID restrictions. There's been injuries. There's been a quarterback change. There's been play caller changes. Like this has been a wild and crazy ride. And at the end of it, 
well, I guess up to this point, you're, you're five and five. And so you have six opportunities to go out there and, uh, and get this thing right. I would say, guys, we're, we're back at square one. Take a vacation. Relax your face off. When we get back here, we get to play you know, the Green Bay Packers, and, and this is what football is all about. So I would say you've got a six-week stretch coming up and lock in for that and be excited and pumped and prepared to go see what you can do. Because, like, at this point, you've got the opportunity to be a playoff team or you have the opportunity to be an absolute train wreck of a – you could be five wins or six wins or seven wins, and this whole thing could come crashing down. Nothing is off the table at this point. I'm going into this thing saying, hey, man, we're – we, we don't know who we are, but we have only have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to prove uh, who we are and what we, and what we can be. Cameron, I'm not going to sound like a meatball right here. Cause this is actual fact. They have six games left to go in the season. They've already gone five and one at one point in this season. I know it's not trending in the right direction, but they've already done it once. Why can't they do it again? But for the time being bears lose 19 to 13 to the Minnesota Vikings in week 10, they fall to five and five on the season. So Bears fans, we're heading into a bye week. Get your acupuncture, do your meditation, walk your dog, get a sandwich, and to quote Cameron Lee, relax your face off because we'll be coming back and get ready because the cheeseheads are going to be ready to roll in week 12. Hopefully we can get back in the wind column at that point. But Cameron, until then, take us home on a very depressing, unnerving, confusing, but wide open future of a pod. If you're listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, make sure you tune in to our next podcast, whenever that may be and whatever it may be. I'm excited for the opportunity. We've never done a, uh, a bi-week Believe in Bears, so we'll see what happens. Um, and then obviously be prepared for us for the following week as we get ready for the Green Bay Packers. And for Joey Christopoulos, I'm Cameron Lee, and remember to always bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.